I didn't say I wanted to preach on that subject while the congregation was asleep. I'll preach as a dying man to dying men. We are getting our ideas from the Bible. We are taking the listeners for a swim in the text. We believe that only God makes a preacher, but we want to help him be more faithful. This is the Verse by Verse Preaching Podcast with host, Pastor Rob Ginter. Why should we as pastors not be ignorant of church history? Why should we care what anyone says outside of Genesis through Revelation? Dr. Dustin Binge is the provost of the Union School of Theology in Wales. Dr. Binge, welcome to the Verse by Verse Preaching Podcast. Thank you so much. Um, It's such a delight to be with you. And as for many of our listeners, as we are speaking before the podcast, if you're not following Dustin Binge on Twitter, he is a must follow for your Twitter account. So go search him there and you won't regret it. Today, we're going to talk about something that is highly neglected in our studies. What is the role of church history for those in the pulpit? Robert, that's a fascinating question. When I started my theological education I wasn't exactly sure which area that I wanted to emphasize by way of if I wanted to go in the direction of preaching, since I'm called uh, to be a preacher preeminently, or if I wanted to go in a slightly different direction and then supplement that with preaching and pastoral ministry. I fell immediately in love with historical theology and church history because I was so able to draw a connection with the spirituality of those long ago with today and then implement that spirituality into my preaching itself. And so that's the direction I went. Every elective class that was taught on historical theology and church history, I took every possible church history conference that I could attend. I did so. And then when it came to thinking about what I wanted to do my PhD on, it was just a natural flow that I would continue looking at someone or an event or a thought within church history. So coming out of all of that, now kind of post-education, as it were, or post-formal theological education, I continue to be reminded that church history in regard to preaching and pastoral ministry is so vital. Not only is it vital within our pulpit ministry, but it's also vital in a very personal way as I, myself, and you, as we grow and mature as Christians in our sanctification. Church history has given me a window into which to view, to understand, to recognize a deep and abiding spirituality that I don't normally see within the context of current modern evangelicalism. And so it's allowed me to go back and to read individuals that cause really my heart to burst with affection for Christ joy for the church, love for the body of Christ, and a desire to have such a passion and an ardent zeal to share the gospel. So it's affected my pulpit ministry in that way, going back and reading the sermons of Jonathan Edwards or Martin Lloyd-Jones or Charles Spurgeon or even further back than that to Augustine and some of the early church fathers or John Owen in the period of the Puritans, to read their zeal, their clarity of thought, 
their understanding of scripture has just so influenced the way that I personally preach. So what are some of the dangers from not knowing church history for those of us who preach? Well, of course, it's not knowing where we came from, right? I mean, we are currently experiencing a modern desire to revise history, or even in some contexts, to erase history. And as the old adage goes, those who uh, forget history are doomed to repeat it. And so I think what's missing for us if we ignore church history is that we, we lose something of the zeal and the passion that has been introduced to us. We lose something of that theological depth. We lose something of that understanding of the whole context of God's providence throughout the world and in basically his story. And so we often hear history being divided into certain segments or certain periods. And so we have the early church, and then we have the Reformation period, and then the Puritan period, more of a revivalistic or an evangelical period, all the way down to the modern period. And so we learn something of a continual line from those different select periods to our own context. And so my understanding of Trinitarian theology or my understanding of, of the Gospels or how Paul was interpreted is so well informed by those who have come before me and blazed that trail. And so if I completely ignore church history, I am discounting 2,000 years of God's providential understanding and working among his people. And so to dismiss that is almost an, it's a sense of arrogance to say that I don't need 2,000 years of history standing behind me, that I have enough knowledge today to do it myself. As someone who's in the pulpit as much as you are, how do you balance church history in your interpretation of the scriptures? How do you use church history in the interpretation of the scriptures? Well, I, I think it is a good balance. I think we have to take some things and we have to uh, dismiss some things. Um, there are a couple of preachers that I enjoy reading. Of course, I think I would include a footnote here to simply say no one can be ex an expert in every area of church history. It's just too big. It's too expansive. And so some advice was given to me very early on in theological education to adopt one or two people in church history that you enjoy reading, you enjoy their theology, and basically spend the rest of your life picking apart that particular area or that particular person. In other words, you're not smart enough, I'm not smart enough, to take all 2,000 years of church history and to try to understand everything that's being said, every argument that's being made, etc. And so what I found useful in my own pulpit ministry is to take a couple preachers that I enjoy, for instance, two of mine in particular, I did my PhD on Jonathan Edwards, which I greatly enjoy him, but two people that have influenced me in church history, and perhaps they're a bit more modern, but I never knew them, they both died before I was born, would be Charles Spurgeon and Martin Lloyd-Jones. And so they have so informed my understanding of particular texts. For example, 
just several years ago, I preached a series through the Sermon on the Mount. Well, obviously, one of the first books I went to was Martin Lloyd-Jones's collection of sermons on the Sermon on the Mount. Now, if I completely dismissed everything that has come before me, then I would not have availed myself of this rich treasure trove of dense, weighty, glorious things that Lloyd-Jones sees in the text. And so that's how I use church history, is I use individuals, if I was going back and preaching a series on the, the book of Psalms or individual Psalms, I would obviously look at, for instance, John Calvin, because he, he spoke so much on the Psalms. Or I would go to the treasury of David and look at what Charles Spurgeon said on the Psalms. If I was preaching a, a particular series on love, for instance, from 1 Corinthians, I would perhaps go back to Jonathan Edwards' series on charity and its fruits and how he understood the nuances of love from 1 Corinthians 13. And so those are some of the ways that I use church history in pulpit ministry and in sermon preparation. So let's say that someone who is listening is a solo pastor or bivocational, and they're unable to get away to go to seminary, but yet they're awakened by our discussion today of church history. If they have a blank slate in regards of church history, and their efforts have been primarily completely focused on Genesis through Revelation, how would you encourage them to start? Well, I would simply say I'm being a bit sarcastic here, but if we're going to go back to the beginning, we have to go to, Reve we have to, go to Genesis, right? Uh, that's where the beginning of church history starts. And so Genesis through Revelation should never be treated as something that's separate or outside of church history. So when God said, let there be light, that was the beginning of history. That was the beginning of his story. That was the beginning of his historical works and his providential works among his people. And so I don't think if you're a preacher, it's not just about starting in the first century, but it's about going back and understanding the whole context of his story. So whether you know it or not, you are in church history by studying the whole of the Bible. Now, if you want to begin studying church history post-New Testament, post-apostolic period, then I would just recommend going to some books or to some resources that give a very good overview of the Christian historical narrative. So individuals like Justo Gonzalez um, in his great book uh, on church history, there are just so many books that chronicle church history for us that I think would be extremely beneficial for your listeners. Uh, you know, top in church history and Amazon and, and see what comes up read the reviews, see if they cover the individuals that you want to know about. Um, the internet is a great resource. Uh, Monergism.com, you can go there and type in church history or whatever, and, and article after article will come up. Ligonier Ministries, um, Dr. Robert Godfrey did an enormous, wonderful video series, taking one from the post-apostolic period all the way to the modern day in regard to church history. Steve Lawson has published quite a bit on chronicling uh, uh, or pulling, as it were, the thread of the doctrines of grace throughout church history in his uh, Pillars uh, books 
that are published by Reformation Trust. And so there are numerous places that one can go for these resources. With that, did you say that Gonzalez was your favorite overview, or do you have another one that you take your students through? It, it depends on what area that I'm looking at. So just to be honest, if, if I'm teaching uh, a class on Church History one. Uh, that's going to be looking at Augustine and some of the early church fathers, I'm going to their writings. So I'm not going necessarily, there are some great biographies out there that anyone could readily find that I very much encourage anyone interested in church history to look at, but I'm taking them to their actual writings. And so look up the writings of Augustine, look up the writings of Basil of Caesarea and Tertullian and and some of those early church fathers. Look up the writings of John Owen. Actually get into the primary resources in trying to understand those. They are readily available. Many of them you can download online. And so that's what I would recommend. All right. Thank you very much, Dr. Binge. We are now in the lightning round in which we ask you three questions. Yeah, it's as fast as lightning and you didn't even see it coming. If you wouldn't mind to answer them in one sentence, which is a practice in brevity for our expositors. It definitely is. You didn't even know. Uh, (laughs) So question number one, if you had one superpower, what would it be? Well, my childhood self would say, I want to fly. The theologian and the historian would be, I would want to speed read as quickly as virtually possible. It may not be a very good superpower, but for me and my work, that that would be the best superpower I could come up with. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Question number two, what do you do for fun when you're not studying? And if you say studying for fun, let's pretend you're not reading. Yeah, so to relax or just kind of de-stress, I enjoy running. Um, A friend of mine introduced me to running about 10 years ago, and I've been doing it uh, mainly on and off ever since. So I enjoy to stick some headphones in my ears and to go out and just to uh, enjoy 30 minutes of suffering and pain, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Question number three for our listeners, give us a book recommendation that you yourself did not write that you found helpful in the arena of preaching or theology. Yeah, that's a good question. That's hard to come up with one sentence on or just to recommend one book. I think every preacher needs a really good systematic theology in their library. I would recommend uh, just recently was published through Crossway with John MacArthur as the editor, Biblical Doctrine. A new, it's a new systematic theology that has come out that's just excellent. And it's written with the pastor and the preacher in mind. So I think that would be a very good book to have in one's library to consistently awaken the affections, something like J.I. Packer's Knowing God, which has been extremely influential in my life, the early stages of my Christian life. I would highly recommend if you've not read Knowing God, please do so. All right. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Whose Line Is It Anyway, but it's kind of like our lightning round. The points don't matter and (laughs) 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 the rules are just there as an illusion. So thank you very much, Dr. Benj, for joining us today on the Verse by Verse Preaching Podcast. Thank you so much, Robert. Thank you for listening to the Verse by Verse Preaching Podcast. You can find us online at goversebyverse.com.